Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. What was it like to be a Christian in the very first century, in that first generation right after the apostles? What did Christianity look like? What did people believe? How did they live? How did they worship? And how did they deal with persecution? How did they even gather to celebrate the Eucharist? Well, I'm Edward Sri, and this week I'm coming to you from the beautiful Rome, Italy. I'm in Rome where I'm leading a pilgrimage group, and today we got to go visit one of my favorite sacred sites. It's one of those places where you come in contact with that early, pristine Christian way of life. And in fact, we got to go down into the excavations, down to the very first century level of Rome, and you, you start to be able to have a picture in your mind of what it would have been like to be, to be a Christian in that very early period. Today, in this special edition of the All Things Catholic podcast, I want to bring you with us on the streets of Rome as we were preparing to enter into this sacred space and give you a chance to kind of be a fly on the wall and be a part of our pilgrimage, if you will. But first, I want to ask you this. Have you ever wanted to go on pilgrimage? Have you been longing to walk the streets of Rome and be on a pilgrimage where you can walk with the apostles and the martyrs and the popes of the early church? Have you been maybe just desiring to be able to do international travel again after two years of all these lockdowns and restrictions? Well, I want to tell you, we've had an amazing, unique, uh, really once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here in Rome. Uh, it, Italy, again, is open to people of all backgrounds, whether you're vaccinated, non-vaccinated. In fact, on this very pilgrimage, we have some people that are vaccinated, some that are not vaccinated, and it's been easy. Everyone's been able to access everything, and, and what's most amazing is there's no crowds there's just no crowds and we can just walk right into St. Peter's Square. I've never seen that before. You have to usually wait in a long, you know, hour or 90 minute line and we just walked right in. It was incredible. And we got to prayerfully experience St. Peter's in a very spiritual way today. It was amazing. And uh, we've been able to venerate the relics of Christ's passion, his relics of his true cross and the thorns and the nails. And we went into this little chapel and had it all to ourselves. We could pray the rosary, we could sing together, and, and it just was incredible to experience this chapel this way. And uh, we went to the catacombs and got to stay after our tour and just peacefully linger, pray together, intercede for all of our friends back home, pray for those who've died in the last year, and and, and really just take in all that we had experienced in the catacombs. Normally, you get the tour and you got to rush and leave, and we got to just really enter into it spiritually. And one of the most amazing things happened today. Uh, we got to go to a, a church and have mass over the tomb of Pope St. Clement, a pope in the very first century, the fourth pope in the line of Peter. He's the very fourth pope we ever had, and it's incredible. I've been to this church probably 50, 100 times and never got mass over his tomb. And I think because of the lack of crowds, just things are opening up. Uh, you're able to see more, do more, and, and experience Rome in a deeper spiritual way. So many of you have been contacting me saying, Dr. Shree, whenever Rome opens up again, let us know if you're going to do a pilgrimage. Well, I'm letting you know now, this summer, we're going to do a pilgrimage, June 22nd to the 30th to Rome. Uh, and if you want to learn more about that trip, email me at rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. We just announced this trip in the last day, and we've already had many people send registrations in. Uh, but I, I really think this may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to experience this holy city and these sacred sites in this quiet, 
peaceful way. Uh, you know what they're saying here in Rome, a lot of the people at the, at the sites are expecting that the, the tourism and pilgrimages are going to increase as we move into the summer, but they're really going to take off in 2023. That's when they expect the floodgates to open, all the pent-up demand of people wanting to come on, on to this holy city. Uh, that's going to really open up in 2023. But this summer, 2022, might be the the last little window of capturing Rome in this quiet, peaceful way with with avoiding all of the crowds. Uh, so if you want to learn more about this, you can email me at rome.edwards3 at gmail.com. We'll send you the brochure, send you the registration information, all the details about a special early bird deal we're offering where anyone who registers by March 19th, the Feast of St. Joseph, anyone registering by March 19th gets $100 off. So again, email me at rome.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. Now, let's go to the streets of Rome. Join us on this pilgrimage. We're just outside the Colosseum, getting ready to go down to the first century Christian world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to this special edition of All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, on location, on pilgrimage in Rome. And we are in a little neighborhood, just two blocks from the Colosseum. We can set our eyes on that massive structure of the Roman Colosseum here. And uh, we're getting ready to break for our lunch, but we also want to take in what we're going to see right here. Because it might look like we're just in a tiny little neighborhood and we're standing right outside this little structure here. There's a, a, a very plain kind of orange and white wall and there's a green door right near us here. And you might just be tempted to walk by and keep your eyes on the Colosseum or, or look around at the restaurants and, and thinking about the food you're gonna eat, the gelato you're gonna eat, and, and that's all fine. But if you were to just walk by this little orange wall and just pass by that green door, you would be missing one of the greatest gems in all of the city of Rome. Because when you walk through that green door and you pass through these walls, you are stepping into the 12th century. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to step through that green door and go into the 12th century, a, a great basilica church known as the Basilica of San Clemente. And when you walk inside those green doors, you're immediately, your eyes are going to be really taken in by this beautiful mosaic behind the main altar. It's, a, it's one of Pope Benedict's favorite mosaics in the city of Rome. He's, he's written about this and reflected on the great significance of that mosaic. But I think it's a mosaic that has a lot of meaning for our times today. You know, we live in an age where people don't appreciate the church. In fact, there are, there are many Christians, maybe even some young Catholics that might say, why do I need a church? Have you ever heard that? Why do I need a church? Hey mom, I, why do I need a church? Can't I just be spiritual? You know, I, I, I don't need religion. I don't need a church. I, I, I've got good values. I believe in God. Uh, I want to have a spiritual life. I'm spiritual. and. Uh, I don't hurt people. I don't rob banks or kill people. I'm a good person. Why do I need a church? That's a question many people have today. Let's take a look at this mosaic. In the mosaic, what we see is a cross at the very center of the mosaic, but the cross is depicted as a tree of life. It's a new tree of life planted in a new paradise. And, and what you see at the bottom of this tree of life, this bottom, the bottom of this cross, is our vines coming out of the cross. And these vines just grow and they grow and they swirl all around the mosaic. 
you just see the vines just spreading everywhere. And the vines are connecting all kinds of people from all walks of life. You, you're going to see in the vines, you're going to see bishops and theologians and great doctors of the church. You're going to see St. Augustine, St. Ambrose, St. Jerome, St. Uh, Gregory the Great, great theologians, great thinkers in the church. And then you're, you're going to see ordinary people. You're going to see a shepherd with his sheep. You're going to see a fisherman fishing in the, in the river. You're going to see a, a simple peasant girl feeding her chickens. But they're all connected in the same vine. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're from one part of the world or another, whether you're a great theologian or an ordinary peasant, we're all connected in the vine. And of course, this beautiful mosaic, beautiful mosaic is, is putting on to art that great passage that Jesus spoke at the Last Supper in John chapter 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. He talks all about this idea of we're, we're all connected through the vine. And what this mosaic is doing is piercing through the very modern individualistic ideology that's out there that life is just about me. It's about me and my spirituality and my values and my own personal relationship with God. That, that's not a Christian way of looking at things. That's not a biblical way of looking at things. That's a very self-centered, individualistic, modern way of looking at things. And this mosaic that Pope Benedict loves just pierces through that individualistic mentality. And it invites us to consider those, those vines that are swirling around in the apse mosaic. I, I like to think of it as that they're, they're reaching out to us. It's like the vines are reaching out to us saying, do you want to be a part of this shared life? Do you want the life of Christ in you? That's what the church is. The Catholic Church isn't an organization. A Catholic Church isn't primary. That's at the heart of what the Catholic Church is. It's not a, a, a club that you join because you happen to be Catholic. It's not even the beautiful basilicas that we've been able to visit. I mean, all of those are external manifestations of this invisible reality of the life of Jesus within us. And those vines are reaching out to challenge you. Do you want to be a part of the vine? Do you want to abide in Jesus Christ? Do you want to be united in this vine with all the other Christians throughout the centuries? Then you want to be a part of the Catholic Church. If you want to say, nope, I don't really want that vine. I don't want the life of Christ in me. I want to just kind of do my own thing. Then you're, you're putting yourself on the outside of that vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are called to be the branches. Do you want to be a part of this life? Let me abide in you. That's what the Catholic Church is all about. I love this mosaic. And, and so many people just walk down this road. They don't even pay attention. They just see the simple wall. They see just a little green door. There's no big show, no big sign, nothing really growing, drawing our attention. Everyone's just thinking about the restaurants, the gelato, and the Coliseum. But we're going to walk through that green door and really take in this amazing, amazing mosaic. But there's more. When you, when you look down, once you're, you know, you've been really attracted by the beautiful mosaic, I want you to look down and I want you to look at the altar. And under the main altar, you're going to see there's a tomb there. And you know who is buried in that tomb? You know whose relics are there? Two great leaders from the very first century, St. Clement and St. Ignatius of Antioch. Let me tell you about who these people were. These people were, uh, Clement was a contemporary with Peter and Paul. He knew them, and Ignatius is one generation right after them. I mean, it's just incredible. We're going right back to that very pristine period of Christianity. They both wrote letters. So we have their writings. We know their thought. We know their teaching. We know how they were leading. Ignatius was a bishop, and he was captured and, and, and brought to Rome. 
And he writes letters saying goodbye to the churches back uh, in, 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 in near Syria where he was, where he was a, a bishop out there in Antioch. And he's writing letters back and writing letters to the Christians and other churches. Even the Christians here in Rome were trying to find a way to get him not to be persecuted, not to be killed. And he begs them, no, please, my heart's desire is, is to be with the one I love. Let me, let me go to my martyrdom. Don't try to liberate me from this incredible gift God is giving me. That's Ignatius of Antioch. And he writes a lot about things about the, the early church, the structure of the church, the important role of bishops. He writes about uh, the, the way that the, the early Christians were living. So, and it's incredible that we're gonna get to go and kneel down and pray right before his tomb where he was martyred right here in the city of Rome, thrown to the wild beasts. And we're gonna get to pray at his tomb right in here. Also right in here is under that main altar in that tomb is also the relics, the remains of Saint Clement, Pope Saint Clement, the fourth Pope. If you remember in that Eucharistic prayer one, it says, you know, we remember Peter and then Linus, Cletus and Clement. This is the one we're talking about, the fourth Pope. And, and he wrote a letter as well. He wrote a letter to the church, the churches in, in Corinth over in Greece showing that the Bishop of Rome clearly had responsibility, not just for the people of Rome, but for people all around the world, even in Corinth, in Greece. He's the Bishop of Rome. He's not the Bishop of Greece, but the Bishop of Rome has a primacy. The Bishop of Rome is responsible for whole, the, the, the whole world. And, and you kind of get a, a, a taste of that in Clement's writing because he's giving instructions to the people in Corinth. Not just a hello letter, how's it going, but do this, don't do this, because they understood, as everyone understood, the Bishop of Rome had a primacy over all the churches of the world. Now, they're amazing, and we're gonna get to go right to the tomb of these early, early Christian leaders in that generation right after the apostles. It's incredible. But if, if that's all you did when you walked through that green door, it would be amazing, right? That would be so much better than any gelato you would get, any meal you're gonna get on the street, and even the, the, your glances at the magnificent Colosseum. That is so worth going through that green door and so many people just pass by it. But I gotta tell you, if that's all you do, you're still missing out on so much. Because what you really wanna do is walk with me by the little tiny gift shop, and then we're gonna go down this little staircase in the back of the, of the gift shop, and that staircase is gonna take you down to the fourth century. Because this 12th century church is built over a fourth century basilica built after the time of Constantine when the Christians were freed. They built a great church that was dedicated to the memory of who? The great Saint Clement, the fourth Pope, Pope Saint Clement. And when you go down here, you're gonna see these frescoes from, the, from, from early on in the church, frescoes that depict papal succession You'll see there's a, a fresco uh, of an image of Peter and Linus and Clement, the idea of the, the lines of the popes. You're gonna see biblical images of Cana to the cross. You're gonna see an image of Jesus going down and reaching out to Adam and pulling Adam out of the land of the dead and bringing him to life. Just beautiful, beautiful scenes. Uh, you're getting a sense of the early church's understanding of Jesus and the mystery of Christ. And, and it's really cool to go down to this fourth century church, church built in the 300s, that's amazing. But if that's all you did, you'd still be missing out on the most exciting thing. I think the most exciting part of what we're gonna do is if you go to the back corner of that fourth century level church, in that back corner, there's a stairway that goes down even further. And that takes you all the way down to the first century. 
And when we go down to the first century, uh, we're gonna go down the steps and on our, our there's a little tiny, tiny alleyway uh, that's just about the size of maybe, maybe only two people could walk together down the alleyway. It's really small, narrow space. But on the left-hand side, there's the remains of a house from the first century that was dedicated to the pagan god Mithras. So it's the Mithric cult worship is happening in this house. And you can go to, you can see the very room where they have their ritual meals, where they recline at meal and, and, and they're worshiping the god Mithras. But when you cross the alleyway and you go to the other side, you go to this large structure. And, and at least according to tradition in the early, uh, very early on, people had believed that this was the place that Clement had lived himself. And the great tradition is that Clement, who was a contemporary of Peter and Paul, welcomed, he welcomed uh, Peter and Paul and the early Christians in his house and welcomed them to celebrate mass. You see, we, we're, we get to go to all these wonderful churches and basilicas on this pilgrimage, but in the first century, there were no basilicas, there were no big churches. Where was the Eucharist celebrated? In people's homes. And uh, there, there's the tradition that this is one of the places where the Eucharist was celebrated in the very early church. So just imagine going down to the first century and we could just imagine, you know, there's Mithric cult worship all around Rome is one of the most popular religions in the time of Rome and they have their ritual meal. And you could just wonder, ponder, hey, if, if there was a house right here, what ritual meal could have been celebrated right there? The true meal giving us the true bread of life, the gift of the Eucharist. So today we're gonna to get a sense of, of, of that first century level of Rome. We're gonna go all the way down. But can you, can you just see, did you, did you notice how many people, just as I've been here with you, how many people just walk by? They just walk by this place. They don't even go in to that green door. We're gonna go into that green door, step in the 11th century, down to the fourth century, down to the first century, and we're gonna remember those early Christians and their great faithfulness as they risked their lives celebrating the Eucharist, risking their lives, knowing that all around them there was persecution of Christians going on. So as we walk in the footsteps of Ignatius, of St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Clement of Rome, and the early Christians, many of those who were persecuted and martyred, uh, let's ask their intercession for us that in this pilgrimage experience, we may leave with great courage and fervor for the gift of the Eucharist, courage and fervor to stand up for truth and for our faith in a time when our secular age is persecuting us much. So, you excited about getting ready to go in? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's ask their intercession. St. Ignatius of Antioch. St. Clement of Rome. Pray for us. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. If you'd like to learn more about my pilgrimage to Rome this summer, June 22nd to the 30th, email me at rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. And we'll send you the brochure, the registration information, and all the details regarding the early bird special, where if you register by March 19th, you can get $100 off. Again, email me at rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. This has been a special edition of the All Things Catholic podcast recorded on location in Rome at the Basilica of San Clemente.